As a team leader, I face new challenges every day. Fortunately, I found Teams Global. Their e-learning platform makes it easy to take hyper-relevant courses like giving and receiving feedback, ownership to action, and managing virtual teams. Teams Global allows me to learn on my schedule and at a price I can afford. Check out Teams Global today at T-E-A-M-E-S-Global.com and become the leader that your team needs you to be. Teams Global has a special gift for you, the listeners of the Building Teams podcast. Use the code PODCAST10, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-0, when checking out for any Teams Global course for a 10% discount on your order. Sign up for a course today. Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co., where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Building Teams with Teams & Co. podcast. My name is Mike Vagalus, here with my regular partner in crime and co-host, Tracy Eames. And uh, with our guest today, really, really excited to introduce a friend and just an awesome leader, Charles Ross, who is the president of NBIA. Tracy, Charles, how are you both doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, doing great. I'm excited also to to have a chance to speak with Charles today. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, I, I've really been looking forward to this conversation, Charles. We, uh, For our listeners, we've had the opportunity to work with you and the NBIA Uh, board and team on a strategic plan this past fall. And it was just such a a wonderful experience, I know, for both Tracy and myself to learn more about the entrepreneurial support ecosystem and the really unique role that MPIA plays in that ecosystem. Um, So Charles, just wanted to uh, start off by giving you the floor to introduce yourself to our listeners and share a little bit more about what you do and and what MPIA does. Sure. Well, again, um, thanks for having me and Really looking forward to um, our discussion. As as Mike shared, I am the president and CEO of the International Business Innovation Association. We we pronounce that MBIA. And um, our mission is to help entrepreneurial support organizations across the globe to be more impactful in their individual communities. And we do that through enabling and supporting a community of practice that is charged by access to best-in-class resources, relevant uh, training, and thought leadership. Our organization has actually been around for over 35 years. So oftentimes we call ourselves a 35-year-old startup. We started uh, and our roots are in the area of business incubation, so a particular model for supporting entrepreneurs. And um, that was at our founding. And then about, um, I'd say, uh, probably about like six or seven years ago in recognition of so much of the innovation and diversity that we were seeing with the various models that organizations and communities were using to support entrepreneurs, um, we we went uh, underwent a name change. And that's when we went from previously, we were called the National Business Incubation Association. And then six years ago, we, we changed our name to MBIA. And so that was recognition of that the innovation that was happening in entrepreneurial support, but it was also in recognition of something that's been a part of MBIA for 
probably since its inception, which is the global orientation of, of our organization. So currently right now we have about 400 or so members, uh, organizational members, about a thousand or so professionals in just about every U.S. state. But what's interesting is we have about 30 countries that are represented as part of our community. Yeah, that's awesome. We have uh, had the pleasure of talking to a few different entrepreneurial support organizations, but just love the fact that MBIA supports those organizations, right? So there's organizations that you know support entrepreneurs, and then there's also organizations that support entrepreneurs and the the startup organizations. And you know, as we get to know you and in, in BIA, there's such a broad range of things that you support your members with, right? And there's so many things that as we're all changing and shifting and all the things we do, just been really incredibly impressed with the way that you navigate and also kind of update your uh, systems and profiles to be able to to better support those. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what that looks like, like a day in the life of the of the team in MBIA and, and how you interact with your members and and how you take all their kind of needs into consideration and, and prioritize those. It's a it's a fast moving place, your ecosystem. And and I think it'd be good for our listeners to hear just the complexity of the the offerings that you have and, and how you and your team work with your members each day to support them. Sure, sure. Well, yes, Tracy, it's it's definitely a lot of change that's that's going on in our particular industry sector. And at the core of what we look to do day in and day out, it's really around enabling our community to help themselves through getting access to best practices that that's happening in, in the practice, in the space. And so we have uh, several different mechanisms or channels in order to do that. But a lot of, a lot of the value is created through the interactions of the various practitioners that are part of our community and having interacting with each other in a, on a regular basis. And what's key about that is that it really enables um, the exchange of best practices. So, you know, there's, there is a, um, someone, uh, I would say, there's an investment that needs to be made, an investment in terms of trust uh, and empathy that you might have with other practitioners in your space, where one, you're willing to, to reach out and be vulnerable and share what your particular challenges are within your organization. Um, and then being able to trust that feedback and, and those best practices that you receive from other practitioners. So, so one area that we look to do to enable that is through convenings. So we as an organization will put on three major convenings a year. In the springtime frame, we have our, our large annual conference, and then we have two more targeted convenings um, during the rest of the part of the year or over the rest of the part of the year. But then in addition to in-person convenings, we have a online community platform that we curate. We call that our exchange platform. And this is um, interesting. The way I like to talk about it is everybody, you know, you go to a, go to a convening, in-person convening, you come, you, you know, you just over, you supercharge while you're there, you make all these great connections, you write down all these notes. Um, and then what do you do with that information? Um, and what you need is that information that's available at the time when you're back in your office and you're thinking about, oh, okay, you know, what is the, what are some of the best, best techniques on putting together a mentoring network? And I remember who was that at the conference that was talking about that. So our right. online community platform is a way for you to get real time or just in time access 
to best practices from your peers. And so we, we spend a lot of time trying to curate that. But then in addition to that, you, let's talk about things that happen at a, at a convening or an online platform. You know, there's some things that just normally comes up in um, strategies and techniques to provide entrepreneurial support. No need to recreate the wheel. So we look to put that information, we look to codify and formalize that information in terms of resources and playbooks. So we'll make that information available uh, to our members. And then the last thing I will mention is just training. So we, um, we provide training in the basics of entrepreneurial support. We provide training on kind of the, the advanced level of entrepreneurial support. And we also have a set of training, which um, I would call it more kind of trainer trainer, um, where when our members are looking at how do they get caught up on um, all of the latest and greatest skills that they need to impart upon their entrepreneurs, um, we have training that helps them get up to speed there. Charles, one of the things that I, I think is a, such a, you know, in some ways unique challenge that MBIA has, but in other ways, just incredibly relatable to really a lot of the leaders that listen to this podcast is you've got a tremendous diversity of customers. So mm-hmm. from delivery mechanisms of entrepreneurial support, like the incubation model versus the accelerator model versus tech parks and maker spaces and ecosystem development organizations of, of all different sorts to urban versus rural to the type of entrepreneurs served by those organizations from life sciences to tech to I know some of your members are are really focused on serving um, low tech entrepreneurs like uh, in different pockets of cities, like people who own their own food carts, for instance, like mm-hmm. there's just such mm-hmm. breadth of members that that y'all serve. I'd love to hear how you think about creating best practices, creating community among support organizations that, you know, there's some things that are vastly different about them and some things that are universally true and really how you use and mobilize a small but mighty team to accomplish a really big goal, like serving the needs of a very diverse uh, member base like you have. Sure. Yeah. And Mike, you, uh, you, you, I'm sweating when you just talk about that, right? Because that's, that's <laughs> part of the challenges that we look at as an organization. I, I think it is, when I think about um, many of the stakeholders of MBIA, what you just described, I think is probably one of our most uh, attractive attributes, which is that, you know, the power of entrepreneurship is, is so impactful. Um, if you look at, you know, in, in the past recent history, the impact of not only small businesses, but new businesses on job creation is pretty significant. And uh, I know there's, there's studies out there that looked at probably like the last couple of decades and shows that, hey, if, if it wasn't for new businesses, we would be um, net loss in job creation in the United States. And uh, so it just talks about how important entrepreneurship is. But then you also get a sense where if you look at what types of resources are available in communities across the United States, um, and this also plays in other other countries, that oftentimes those communities are not equally shared and leveraged in an equitable fashion. You know, a lion's share of capital is found on 
the the coast, Boston and Silicon Valley. But the reality is that there's a lot of creativity, a lot of passion that happens between Silicon Valley and Boston. And I think that's really a part of the value proposition, again, to our stakeholders for MBIA, is if you're not in those those communities, but you're looking for models and techniques for how you can leverage entrepreneurship, MBIA is a great way to, to learn that because of all of the diversity of models, right? But then that's also a part of the challenge because when I talk about sharing of best practices, enabling that trust, a key part of it is a finding your tribe, right? In, in, in some cases, the issues that um, someone who's supporting a, an entrepreneur that's, that's developing the, the next vaccine for the next pandemic that we have versus an entrepreneur that is, uh, or an organization that's supporting entrepreneurs, let's say the food space. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's some things that are in common, but there are a lot of things that are different. And so it's what we look to do is we look to, I talk about it as becoming stronger or becoming bigger by being smaller. And so trying to find these special interest groups, these uh, smaller communities where we can enable those members and entrepreneurial support organizations to connect. And then hopefully, um, as, as we see it and catalyze those communities, those communities take off and are able to grow and sustain, and sustain themselves. That's awesome. I think, I think when we think about it, I mean, it's just, there's so many times and we've, we've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business owners in general. And, you know, those connections sometimes are just really the most valuable thing. And I, I think the thing that resonates as you're speaking, Charles, is you know, and, and I and I feel this as a founder, and I'm sure Mike does as well. There's there are some pretty big differences between when you're starting different types of organizations or building them, and then there's also just some realities that no matter what kind of business or organization you're starting, you know, you face as a founder, right? And so, it's nice to have uh, organizations like in BIA out there to to help connect people to you know systems and groups and communities that can kind of offer that that support that all of us need so much as we're trying to grow our businesses and, and grow our organizations. But one of the things that I, I've been really impressed in learning about is just, you know, you, you spoke about your convenings and your events. And I know that you guys have a cadence of events and those events have particular topics. And that's the, that's the thing I really like. There's, a, there's so many times, and I'm sure everybody who's listening has been to so many conferences in their lifetime, right? Like we all as business people <laughs> end up at, you know, these kinds of events. And the thing I really love is that as you look at events, they all have a really clear purpose, right? So you're not just coming together to generally talk about entrepreneurship. I think you and MBIA do a good job of, of kind of having some topics and having some core themes where people mm -hmm. can say, okay, yeah, this... I know what I'm going to talk about when I go to this conference and I know that, you know, it's not, you know, a general kind of gathering, but I can make some some pretty good connections and and I'm sure this supports your your work to create these connections and these informal, you know, networking opportunities, but maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit more about, you know, kind of how do you structure those events? What are the themes and, and kind of how has that developed over time? I think as we all think about potentially, you know, still navigating obviously difficult times, but being able to be back in person and uh, obviously under a lot of protocols, events are kind of coming back, so to speak, right? And so how are you guys thinking about, you know, how you support, you know, obviously virtually, but also in person, these these different topics and different kind of networking opportunities for people, both nationally and globally? I imagine even kind of, uh, you know, kind of a lot of other things aside, you know, getting a global audience together uh, is, is a challenge. 
Yeah, so, um, you know, I would say at a high level for the events and then the other services that we look to provide, um, one thing that we have been, um, we spend time on is, is abstracting uh, principles of practice, right? So um, when we talk about that example of the organizations that are supporting a food-based entrepreneur versus a life sciences entrepreneur, we, we try to find what are some principles that are just universal across, across all those things. So principles around how do you design your program and designing your program in a way that takes into consideration what's going on in your particular ecosystem, right? So, you know, whatever you do, if you do it life sciences, you're doing it in food, we encourage people to organizations um, is to, you know, don't deliver services in your community that are already being being provided, right? There's so much work to, to be spread that, um, you know, we can we can look at synergies with our, our local entrepreneurial support organizations that we uh, collaborate with. Uh, so we try to abstract those principles. And uh, but in addition to that, one of the things I really pride ourselves that I'm proud about for our organization is the sourcing that we do in the screening and vetting that we do for the content of our convenings. So we typically will employ a, a committee of members to help us to look at the topics that we've talked about in the past and what's, what's relevant now. We put out a, a call to our membership and then other thought leaders in the space where we specifically say, you know, we're generally interested in entrepreneurial support, but here are some of the specific themes like diversity inclusion um, might be a theme or how you responded to the pandemic is a theme. And we want to see proposals on that. And then we go through a very rigorous vetting process to make sure that we get the, the highest quality uh, of proposals that uh, we share with the community. Um, and then the other thing I would say in terms of the theme, so for, you know, most of our events, we have an underlying theme associated with it. So with um, our major conference, our theme is uh, innovate, collaborate, and elevate. And then um, with one of our conferences that we do, our convenings that we do in, in the fall, that's around ecosystem building. Um, that theme is all around learning, um, sharing, and then building. You know, share what, learn at the conference, share what you're doing, but then go back to your home communities and apply it. So we look to a combination of themes, combination of uh, leveraging practitioners to really set the agenda, and then very rigorous vetting of content. And one other thing I would just say about on the vetting part is at the end of the day, what we're very interested in is specific takeaways that our practitioners can use to go back immediately into their home markets and increase their impact that they're having with entrepreneurs. And now... Let's hear about the wonderful people that support this podcast. Are you spending more time managing your accounting than you are managing your team? Maybe it's time to bring on a professional to help you. Michelle Trotz and her team are an accounting and consulting firm that specializes in contract accounting, outsourced CFO and consulting services. They give you the time that you need to focus on operating your organization. Give the Michelle Trotz CPA, CFE, PLLC firm a call today to schedule your free consultation at 828-280-2530. Again, that's 828-280-2530. You don't have to run your organization alone. 
Michelle Trot is your partner in accounting. Yeah, Charles, one of the, again, I think MBA is such a, a unique organization, but there's so many universal principles that our listeners can can take away. And I, I want to dive into your particular leadership style, because I think one of the things that I've seen you do successfully in a challenging environment is take in feedback from a lot of people, from many different perspectives, formulate your own sort of independent point of view and then help help guide the conversation forward. So for instance, you have a very large and engaged board, which is fantastic. You've got a team with some really, really talented people and you have a very large member base. And you know, the you have a lot of feedback coming at you from a lot of different angles. I'd love to hear your perspective on how you think about taking in all that feedback, and then using it to craft a perspective and, and ultimately set the direction for your organization. Because I think that's a huge, you know, feedback is a gift, um, for yeah. sure. But when you have so much of it from so many people that really, really care, you know, I think how you think about processing that and using it to set one direction that everybody can get behind is something that a lot of our l- listeners can, can learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, as I think about that, um, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of getting as as um, much feedback as possible, have an appreciation for some of the hazards of groupthink. So specifically for MBIA, we have a 15 member board and we have a specific process through yearly. We look at the the strengths and weaknesses of our board members in terms of functional skills, um, in terms of geographies that they cover. And we look to complement that every year when we look to nominate new board members. Every year we, we bring in, we change out a third of our board. So we'll bring in five new board members or, or we renew terms for five new or four members every, every year, five new members. And so that's just a, um, a great cadence of getting new thoughts and ideas and experience into the board. And I think that makes us stronger as an organization. In terms of how do you you um, manage the feedback and, um, you know, we spend a lot of time on consensus building. I would say I can't think of, um, I think in, in, in large organizations, when you're worried about what your quorum looks like and then the number of people you need to get for a majority, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of many situations where we had to count the votes to decide a, a particular direction that we want to move in. And I and and just my own style is especially for uh, so a couple of things I will mention that understanding the, kind of the level of consensus that you need is very important. And, and we've actually uh, you have experienced this firsthand as we as you helped us teams and co with some of our strategic planning. And, you know, there's many issues that have come up for an organization where we'll try to collect, we'll get the most information we can around making the decision. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some risk and uncertainty about the decision, right? And there could be two or three opinions on this. And we know that one person will be right and two will be wrong, but we don't know which one will be right or wrong. Um, And in some cases, 
it doesn't really make that much of a difference, right? Because if we're wrong, we can just quickly correct. So just kind of understanding when do you need to have like um, like a hundred percent consensus, or is there a situation where um, you can have a majority of people that are on board and the rest and the rest of the people, while they may not agree, can live with the, can live with the decision and get comfortable that we can pivot quickly. Uh, and being able to differentiate that, I think, is really key. And then myself as a leader for those issues where it's so critical, and important that we have to have everybody on board. We just take the time to get to get everybody there. And normally it's, it's not around the actual decision that we make. It's more around if, if there's an issue that people feel so strongly that they that they cannot live with the alternative issue. Um, you know, that is something that's going to impact their involvement and contribution to the organization. So we we need to work those things out. The other thing I think is very key is just understanding the roles. So um, we spend time on our board orientation and um, we get support from our, our chair and our executive committee and our board to reinforce this of understanding um, the role of a board and the role of the staff and that the board is responsible for hiring and firing the CEO. The board is responsible for setting the strategic direction. The board is responsible for um, making sure that controls are actual controls are in place. And then the staff is responsible for executing it. And, um, you know, making sure that everybody kind of understands those roles. And then the key is when we bleed between those two things, just how do we manage? How do we manage the barriers? Um, how do we manage the boundaries? And so I think just being explicit about that and, and um, you know, not being afraid to, to address that, I think is really key. I think you just, uh, you just gave literally a masterclass on like half of our approaches, Charles. So I, uh, I, I commend you just because I think for organizations, it, it's really hard, right? Like, but you speak to a lot of the stuff that, that we speak to all the time and and I think that's you know why we always just thought it was such a pleasure to work with you in in terms of your leadership style because that role clarity is is critical right and you also do a really good job of setting people up for success that's what I hear you saying as you talk about clarity and role descriptions and having you know crucial conversations they might not be the easiest thing to say to the board or to the staff like hey you know what this is this is your role and this may not be your role and and those are difficult, right? Like we're all leaders and and clarifying roles is not always the most comfortable conversation, but one that's one that's really, really vitally important to, you know, to members and to the board and to an organization as a whole. So um, just really appreciate you sharing that level of detail about how you manage not only feedback, but how do you set feedback up for success, right? Because you can give feedback in a vacuum, but all those other things that you spoke to are really great tips for our listeners around, okay, well, well, how is feedback most effective? Feedback's most effective when people also have those other tools in place where they know their role, they know the clarity, they have, they've had a training, you know, they have good working dynamics to each other. So um, I just, before I ask my question, kind of want to recognize that because I think a lot of our listeners are, are tuning in to hear how do other leaders manage this stuff, right? Like there's so much going on and, um, you know, hopefully our listeners just picked up a few really good tips about how to, you know, help their boards be successful. I'm going to turn the table a little bit and focus on the team um, mm -hmm. because I, I do think you have a, a super impressive board. And the one thing I will say about all the other things that you said, and this kind of ties into one of your previous comments, 
I think you've you've all done a really exceptional job of recruiting a a diverse board in, in so many ways, right? There's lots of voices represented, different organizations, different people's perspectives, you know, different lengths of tenure with the organization. So, you know, there's some people who are bringing super fresh perspectives and others who have been there for a really long time and can add that historical context. And and so I, I think you've done a good job of, of that on the board. Maybe you could share with our listeners a little bit more about how you manage the team, right? You have a you have a small but mighty team, as I would categorize mm-hmm. them. You right, list right. A lot of, <laughs> yeah, a lot of things that you all do. And and I think the our listeners would be surprised to hear how many people are executing all of those things. Um, so just a little bit about your leadership style with the team and, and how do you empower them to just have such great results? Because your your team is a good example of of individuals who are coming together and magnifying the results that they can have when they come together. So I know that was a very long-winded uh, intro to a very short question, but would just love to hear your your approach to team and, and how you build your team and how you empower your team. Sure, sure. So um, I would say in terms of just how I look to interact with the team, my style has really been adapted or formed through the experience that I've had in terms of of working for other individuals throughout my career and, you know, being able to to forget about the things that didn't work, that weren't too too pleasant and and writing down and keeping a note of some of those techniques and strategies that some of the great leaders have have used. And I would say that probably the, the, if I had to pick a, a style that I have an, most of an affinity for, it would be really in the area of a servant leader, where I really see my role as, you know, we, we get a strategic vision that we um, collaborate with our board on in terms of setting. And then ultimately, my the team is responsible for executing on that vision. And so I see my role as allowing the, the team to be successful and what they need to do. So, I mean, I think a part of one to be able to communicate clearly what the vision is, is, is so important. And it's actually, as you know, it's, it's, it's much more of a task than probably what many of us operators will agree to up front, right? We're like, oh, that vision, mission stuff, that'll happen real easily. And then three months later, four months later, we're still working on the mission and the vision. So that's, but that's really important because at the end of the day, um, you know, as a CEO and a leader, you can't be pushing all the buttons and, and pulling all the strings and you it's going to be created through other people. So so knowing where we're going is so important. Um, the other thing I think is important is, is around setting the values. And it's, it's interesting because a couple of years ago when I was doing entrepreneur support, I um, was talking with a group of entrepreneurs and they were talking about how so difficult it is to maintain a company's culture, uh, which the, the values basically build when you go from, you know, a startup to a midsize or stage two company or whatever, right? And and a lot of leaders really struggle with that. And, and I think the way you do that culture, the way you preserve that culture is through the values, right? And, and understanding what the values are, using that to kind of recruit people to come on board. And then when you have to make tough decisions, you're using the values as a way to make the decisions, right? So 
you know, if you have a, a decision around just like customer service and, you know, there's clear decision on like, well, this is the most best thing to do from a profitability standpoint, but this is really going to be a crappy customer experience for us. Here's our value. So we have to take a hit on the profit side and and deal on, on the customer experience side. So I think that that's important. And for your your team to have that, because oftentimes they're going to be making these decisions and you're not going to be there when they make the decisions. So you can't tell them, oh, by the way, remember that value. They need to know it for themselves. But then the other thing is just being a servant leader. And, and I think the, one of the things I love is when I have my one-on-one meetings with the staff, we, we normally will end the meeting by me asking them, you know, what can I do for you to help you to be more successful? And I look at that as kind of a, a core objective thing that I need to be able to deliver to the staff. So one that they feel comfortable that they can bring the issues to me and then I can actually help them making that happen. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we were excited to talk with you, Charles, is that came through loud and clear in our conversations with the team uh, and the conversations with the board is you being a a great example of somebody who who really embodies that servant leader uh, mentality. And I think it really comes back to I'm, you know, for those that are watching the video, you probably saw Tracy and I sort of smiling and just nodding along because uh, what you just said is so true. It's it's vision and mission sounds so much easier than it is. You know, it boils down into a very concise, short set of statements. Getting there is really difficult, but it's so important. And same thing with values. And, and that's something that y- y'all had worked through values um, before Tracy and I started working with you. And when we started, Tracy and I had several conversations in our early days saying, okay, cool. These are the things that we know will be true about in BIA and, and, and seeing how those values are played out and lived in the discussions that we were a part of. It was just really cool to see. Um, so I, I'd love to speak a little bit more to vision and mission. Like, How do you use those in the context of your team or your board or your uh or, or the organization, you know, setting strategic direction for in BIA. Yeah, so I mean I think that the vision and the mission. So um the vision basically helps us with determining where we're going. What do, what do we want to be? Um so it, it provides an overall direction. And the mission is really focused on why we are going towards that destination, why we are on this journey. Um, and then the, and then the strategic imperatives from that really kind of talks about how we're going to get there. You know, what are the major things we need to do, buckets that we need to be successful in in order to get to our ultimate dis- destination, which is the vision, um, but in a way that is meaningful to stakeholders, meaningful for employees and uh, our, our, our customers and our members. So I really see all three of those factors really just helping to organize, get everybody on the same page and then organize our work in a way that is most efficient. And in addition to telling us what we're going to work on, probably even more powerful is what we're not going to work on. Uh, because totally. there's al- yeah. always so many things that you can look at. And the vision, mission, and strategic imperatives gives you a great filter to say um, this is important and this is not important. Because the other thing, which which I talk about, go back out on the leadership side, maybe this is my management leadership, talk to my staff. I mean, we talked, Tracy, you mentioned I had a small staff. And 
um, one of the things I share is that there's always going to be more work to be done the time that you have, no matter how many people we get in here. I think maybe there might be a size we get to uh, a size of a staff where we got enough people to do the work. Um, but I think it really puts a premium on we have to prioritize and that and, and that's not static, that there's going to be some flexibility. That's where the values come in. Right. Because, you know, in between the times where everybody gets together and say, OK, here's our priorities one through ten. and then you know, Omicron comes above us or on us, and all of a sudden now priorities one and two <laughs> don't right. make sense anymore, right? And so we got to be flexible on that. But I think that framework is, is really important in, in um, organizing the work. That's that's awesome, Charles. I think, you know, as we, we often speak about, uh, you know, because obviously a lot of organizations come to us as they're looking to scale their growth and a lot of those questions that we get are the same, like, how do I grow quickly, but keep my culture? How do I grow quickly, but and make sure my team knows the direction we're going? You know, how can we grow quickly, but not feel overwhelmed by that growth, right? Like a lot of these types of questions are what folks are asking us. And, you know, I would refer them back to this conversation because I, I think that you hit on a lot of really valuable points for leaders to keep in mind, right? Like that vision mission, while it's probably the most underestimated thing, it's probably that thing that's most important to the organization and keeping everybody aligned and and letting you say no to stuff. I mean, I think we're all there, right? Like we could all work 24 hours a day if we wanted to and we still wouldn't get <laughs> all the things done we want to get done, but you know, I think it's a really valuable and the harder thing as a leader to do. It takes a lot of courage to say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to pass on that opportunity." I I actually think Micah is also really good at this. Mike is always reminding me like, hey, Tracy, we can't do it all. We have to think about what we can do and what we can't do. And, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. And, and I always really admire leaders who are able to take that step back and say, the way that I'm going to empower my team is not just to constantly be asking them to execute and deliver results. I'm also going to do the hard work behind the scenes to take things off their plate that we don't need to be working on and kind of give them that permission to to really execute a few things really, really well. So just really appreciate you saying that and, and sharing your viewpoint on that because I think it's a it's something that all of us as leaders need to be reminded of. No matter how many times we say it or do it, it's always a <laughs> a nice, fresh reminder. So, um, But Charles, I mean, we have loved having you on here. Are there anything else from like an MBIA perspective that, that you would want to share with our audience? I mean, I will... I will make the plug for you that I think if there's entrepreneurs out there and entrepreneurial support organizations out there, 100% you should be checking out in BIA's website and, and learning more about their resources and everything they do. It's an incredible organization that you could you know, just have a lot of support from and, and gain a lot of insights from. But Charles, have we missed anything? Are there things that you say, hey, you know what, I, I really want to share this with the, with the Teams & Co. audience? <laughs> sure, yes. So I would say, um, and thank you for Thank you for the the plug for sure, and you know I would um, recommend that um, any any organization, any community that is not only supporting entrepreneurs but maybe thinking about supporting entrepreneurs, uh, definitely sign up for our newsletter. We can kind of stay abreast of the various opportunities that um, we are looking to provide. And one of the things that I'm, I'm very excited about. In the spring, we will be coming out with the latest version of our state of state of the industry report, 
And this is a great tool for practitioners to do benchmarking and for stakeholders and funders of entrepreneurial support to get a sense of just the impact that is being made across the, the world around um, entrepreneurial support. And so one thing I will encourage is um, for any organizations that are providing support, when if you sign up for our newsletter and we send out a request to participate in that study, we really do a great job to try to make sure that it doesn't take up too much time, but it's so important information to be able to collect the metrics in the industry and be able to share that with, with the stakeholders. Because ultimately this work, what we, our mission is to serve entrepreneurs and organizations that are going to do great things for our community. But at the time that we serve them is usually the time when they are most resource starved and dependent, right? So ultimately in order for this, in many cases for this model to work, uh, we need to bring in other stakeholders, other beneficiaries that see value in this work uh, because oftentimes the benefits are not going to be, re will not resonate in year one or two or while you're working with that entrepreneur, but those benefits will accrue to the communities five, 10 years down the road. And so, so we need beneficiaries that understand the importance of the work and to be able to fund this kind of activity. And um, that is a value that we're looking to provide back to the industry. If you provide us your results, um, we'll make that information available to other stakeholders. Cool. Well, Charles, again, uh, man, we really appreciate having you on uh, the podcast. I'm sure, you know, as 2022 progresses, we uh, don't be surprised if we re-reach out to you and, and ask for how things are going. Um, we, we love to, to do that and to keep our listeners abreast of the uh, the work that our, our friends and partners are doing. Um, so again, for everybody, go to nbia.org, uh, right, Charles? Yep. Mm -hmm. Cool. And we'll send links uh, to NBIA in our show notes uh, for everybody that, that wants to check that out. Again, the conferences that y'all put on are, are tremendous and the resources that you have are, are truly world-class. So please, everybody, check that out. And with that, we will wrap up this latest version of the Building Teams with Teams & Co. podcast. When you are leaving, be sure to hit us with a like, a thumbs up, a comment, a subscribe, uh, whatever you can do to, to make sure that you're getting the latest and greatest from the Building Teams podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll talk to both of you guys very soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Charles, so much. And uh, we, uh, we look forward to updates in the, in the new year. So keep us posted. Thank you. You've been listening to Building Teams with Teams & Co. To learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation, please visit us at teamsandco.com or follow us at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams & Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice.